Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump. We've been talking about proof theory for some months now, and we are talking about ordinal analysis at the moment. And the goal of ordinal analysis is to be able to, well, one of the goals, I guess, is to be able to compare proof systems uh, by strength, and sort of by a quantitative measure of strength. And so the interesting idea is how do we define a quantitative measure of strength? Like it's not just enough to say, oh, you know, this, you know, this seems more powerful, right? I mean, that would not be terribly precise. And we want a single quantity, a single number. And we're going to use ordinals, that proof theorists use ordinals for these. And ordinals are generalizations of regular old numbers into the infinite. But with the, um, as we, what we mentioned last time, you know, it's when you go to the infinite, the size and ordering kind of separate. At least that's how it's traditionally been treated. So we have cardinals that measure size, but a more refined measure is an ordinal that's giving us an ordering, um, sort of reflecting ordering properties. And uh, so I want to talk briefly here about um, how we define the proof theoretic ordinal of a logical theory. Wow, that sounds intense. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've got this paper by Michael Rathjen called uh, Theories and Ordinals in Proof Theory. And it's a pretty accessible, pretty well-written paper um, uh, about talking about some of these matters. So I appreciate the author trying to give an exposition. Some of this, um, if you try looking at some of the material, it's it's really, really technical and, and just sort of assumes you understand everything that's already gone before. So anyway, um, so how, and from reading this, I get the impression from the way Rathjen's writing that, you know, this is sort of like one proposal that he's advocating for how to define the or proof theoretic ordinal of some theory. And, uh, and it sounds like that there's been some bumps in the road and twists and turns in this sort of story, this sort of goal of being able to kind of, you know, again, like I said last time, like I've got a 400 horsepower proof system and yours is only 200 horsepower. So we're going to try to measure how powerful these proof systems are. Not that power is the only, you know, reason to be interested in a proof system. I mean, that's just one factor. There may be lots of competing factors that, that we're having the most powerful proof system you can get your hands on isn't what you want. Um, but anyway, but this is the concern here is measuring strength in some sense. And the strength is basically going to come down to showing um, how powerful of an induction principle can you get within your theory. Okay. And so, and you know, ordinals are, as we were talking about last time, are you know, pretty intimately tied to termination, you know, things getting decreasing. I mean, it's the most general notion of decreasing that we have in mathematics, as far as I understand. So, uh, and induction is also about decreasing, right? Because you're, when I can use my induction hypothesis, it's supposed to be for smaller arguments. But what's the notion of smaller? When you use natural number Induction, you know, it's just like structural decrease on a natural number. That's not very powerful. Although, in the presence of um, uh, in the presence of um, simple types, for example, that that still goes a long way. Like if you just have um, this kind of structurally terminating recursion plus simple types, 
I can simply type lambda calculus. That's Girdle's system T, and that already has ordinal epsilon zero, which we talked about last time a little bit. So it's already pretty powerful. I mean, it's a baby baby example to write Ackermann's function in this. So from a termination perspective, you're able to write um, functions that take a, you know take a long time to terminate, uh, and you know so anyway. But now, so on to Rathjen's definition of the proof theoretic ordinal of a proof system. Um, let's see if we can do this. <laughs> so, yeah, the basic idea to like to express induction, we want to ex talk about well-founded orderings. And for some reason that he doesn't really explain, we are actually going to just restrict our attention to linear orderings, um, linear well-founded orderings. So we have either x less than y or y less than x or x x less than y or x greater than y or y x equals to y. That's fine. Now the well-founded part, we just have an ordering. You know, we're used to natural number induction, right? We're like, okay, you prove your base case and then you prove your step case, which means you get to assume the formula you're trying to prove for some x, an arbitrary x, and you have to prove it for successor of x. Um, now the more general form, like if you thought of... Uh, what they call course of values induction. All right, that's like a little simpler version of that. It says, um, try to prove, to prove your property holds for all x, you try to prove it for, holds for an arbitrary x, assuming it's true for all the smaller x's. Okay, so prove for x, assuming true for all smaller, all smaller y's, I should have said. Okay, and uh, that's course of values, natural number course of values induction. And it, it, you can see it kind of summarizes step and base case in one, right? Because, you know, your base case, you're like, okay, prove for zero. Well, in this course of values induction thing, you're supposed to prove your property for all y, x, assuming it's true for all the smaller y's. Now, when x is zero, that means prove your property for zero, assuming it's true of all the strictly smaller natural numbers. There aren't any strictly smaller natural numbers, so you just have to prove a base case. Right, so that course of values induction as a special case, um, you, you end up having to prove the base case as a special case of that. Um, now, this course of values induction, you know, like you're, you're, um, you're, you have one case, no, no base and step case separated, you just have a step case that says prove for x assuming true for all smaller y's. And that's what well-foundedness in general is for ordering. Prove for, you know, to prove something is true for all x's, um, uh, your step cases, that just what we said for natural number or course ordering, but not for any ordering. You just say, prove it for an arbitrary x, assuming it's true for all smaller y's. Okay, and that's, that's the statement of well-foundedness. Now, you can, I don't know if you can hear me flipping the pages. I'm, I'm, I, I can't do this right off my top of my head. I, this one, I have to look at a paper while I'm driving. Thank heavens, it's still legal here in Iowa. Doesn't there's no law that says you can't read papers while you're driving, but that's that's maybe not a great idea. Anyhow, um, uh, yeah. So we have an ordering. So like, a, let's imagine we have an ordering that we've defined within our language. We're gonna we're trying to say how strong is some some logic. So imagine that within that logic, we've defined an ordering. Okay, and Rathjen says assume that your logic has some arithmetic to it, which seems like a pretty safe assumption. I mean, any any proof system we're interested in these days, you can have, right, you have at least a little bit of arithmetic or a lot of arithmetic. 
like Cock or Isabel or something there. They can all do loads of arithmetic, right? So, so assume you have an ordering definable in your system. Um, what does it mean to be definable? Well, it means that you can express your, your ordering by some formula. Like say you say, um, say my ordering is the divides relation, right? So I want to say, I want to say something, you know, X divides Y, that's my ordering. Well, then you could just write a formula in X and Y that explains what divides means, right? You can just say, um, you know, there exists a K such that Y um, equals K times X. And that would tell you X divides Y. So what do you write? You've expressed your ordering as a formula in your logic. And now, um, and this ordering, we're going to call it provably well-ordered. Well, where, where well-ordered means well-founded and linear. Provably well-ordered if you can prove the well-ordering principle. You can basically derive this kind of course of values style induction for your ordering. And okay, and for some reason, Ratchin says we should prove it's linear too. That's fine. That's not hopefully not a big deal. Now, okay, so that's what it means to have an ordering that's, um, type of, so, yes, an, an ordering, you define it in your theory, and it's provably well-ordered. You can prove within your theory this kind of induction principle for it. Okay, now Rathjen says what we're going to call the proof-theoretic ordinal of your theory is we're going to look at the least upper bound of all the ordinals um, that you can prove Okay, now there's a little step here, but it's more or less we're trying to say the upper bound of all the ordinals that are provable, provably well-ordered. You can prove within your theory they're well-ordered. Now the little gap is between the ordinals, which are this mathematical notion in our meta-language we're speaking about, and then definable orderings in the theory. So we're just going to say um, that we're, when we say that the ordinal is provable in the theory, what we mean is that there is some... Um, uh, there is some definable ordering, which you can prove to be a well ordering in your theory, that has the same or that has this ordinal as its order type. Um, to be honest, I forgot a little bit what order type is. Uh, I think it's like a yeah, it's like some. I mean, it's just the ordinal. You can have like the ordinals can be are isomorphic to other kinds of ordinings. The order ordinal is the set theoretic construct, as we talked about last time. You can have Order other orderings that are def are not defined the same way, but you you know you can have an isomorphism between um, the ordering that you defined and between the ordinal. So that's what we're talking about. We're basically saying we've got within our theory um, we can prove uh, um, a well ordering uh, of an of a of a definable ordering. We can prove a definable ordering is well ordered. Um, where that definable ordering is isomorphic to a particular ordinal, we take the least upper bound of all those ordinals, okay? And so that's kind of how we, you know, so, and that's the proof theoretic ordinal of the theory. So basically, I, if I could try to summarize, looking at the, um, the least upper bound of all the ordinals whose induction principles you can derive in the theory, where we have, again, this little, like, wiggle room of, you know, we're not really assuming that you're working directly with some representation of the ordinal in your theory. We're just saying, you just look at all the orderings you can um, you can prove to be well-founded uh, and look at their ordinals for those orderings. Okay, Whew. that was take two on that one.
And so I hope what I said made some degree of sense. I'll put a link to the Rathjen paper in the show notes. It's for, available from his website. So um, not not all of it is like totally easy to understand or anything, but some of this makes makes good sense without being a super expert. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. Drop me a line anytime and talk to you later.